From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 322. Today's show is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile, ExpressVPN, and Pingdom. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Jason Snell. Hi, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. This is my, I don't know... I don't know why the vocal embodiment of this is an episode full of follow-up and catch-up came out that way, but that was what I was going for when I, I said that. I think it's that. because you've been watching Taskmaster, because that was a very uh, Alex oh, Horn kind of intro, was it? Little Jason Snow! <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yep. We'll talk about that at some point, and if you have no idea what I'm doing, go and watch Taskmaster. Yeah. Uh, if you're in the US, it's on YouTube. If it's you're in the YouTube. UK, you can get it in UK TV Play for free. Uh, super awesome. It's one of my favorite finds of the entire year, but uh, through Jason Snow, of course, and Jason's yes. recommendation. It's just a wonderful, wonderful, fun TV show. I have a hashtag Snow Talk question for you from Hunter. Is Jason, is there an iPhone color that you wish Apple would have announced last week? Well, blue is my favorite, mm-hmm. and so I'm very happy that there are many there there are blues, blues and iPhones makes me very happy. Um. So what's left? Orange. Orange. I love that coral iPhone XR. Uh, an orange iPhone would be, I guess, the one that they could have added to the lineup that would have made me happy. I actually agree. I knew you were going to say orange, and orange was also yeah. what I wanted too. I would love a nice orange phone, but like a good yeah. orange, you know, like a, just a really good orange. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing of like, actually, I, I wouldn't mind it if if Apple stopped using all the materials that they use and, and like... You know, don't give me good colors in the in the pro line. They they like that that we get in the the regular line. Like they don't have to look like they're made of metal or whatever it is you do, right? Like let's let's shake it up a bit. But nevertheless, so today is an episode full of catch up because I think unlike oh, yeah. this feels like unlike most um, iPhone events, there was a lot of information that came out in the days after, um, and I wanted to go through it. I think this is akin to one of our post, uh, like the week after WWDC kind of episodes, yes. where so much happened, like yes, during the event, like and so much was learned afterward that we we spend the next week kind of like following up all the things that happened the previous week yep. and that that feels like that's what I mean we need and to I think time. this came out in the last episode especially from me I was very confused and found it all very frustrating that there was a bunch of information that I knew was out there but I couldn't disseminate quick enough for the show but now we've been able to do that and we will provide a service to you the listener to give you all of the information but even in an episode full of follow-up we still have a distinct follow-up section which we will now begin uh, pop sockets will be making magsafe compatible pop sockets in the future um, this was something that came out very quickly uh, this is obviously taking advantage of the new magsafe system i'm very intrigued to see what they do here i can't imagine a pop socket like how pop socket it's currently work working on this but i have yet myself to be able to understand how strong that magnet is but i'm i'm just pleased that they are exploring it um for some time in the future because that's something that i want uh, T-Mobile and Sprint now have equal iPhone pricing with Verizon and AT&T. So you yeah. may remember we were talking about it was a $30 difference I think if for yep, the $30 there, right? uh and and it was just Verizon and AT&T when they posted the page. But on Friday when iPhone pre-orders began, they equalized. This is for the 12 and the 12 mini. 
um, they equalized with AT&T and Verizon, meaning that if you're one of the in the U.S. and on one of the four major carriers, you get that price that ends in a 99. Um, however, if you want a, an unlocked uh, SIM-free phone, or for example, if you're using an alternate carrier, guess what? You have to pay a price that ends in a 29 if you're buying a 12 or 12 mini. So because this is the we'll talk about iPhone pricing a lot more later, but um, this is just the the recognition that uh, sometimes a six ninety nine phone is actually a seven twenty nine phone. Yeah, and I don't know why there was ever a disparity. It doesn't make sense to me. Like I don't know what why these net like I can't imagine that these networks would say no. We don't want to do like it's just weird to me. Like I don't get it. Um, but nevertheless iPad Air pre-orders are finally open. So when the iPhone 12 and 12 Pro went on pre-order on Friday, um, the iPad Air also uh, mysteriously went to pre-order as well. Uh, This was the device announced in the September event. um, And I believe it comes out on Friday this week. Yep, that's it. This is the... the, um... A uh, product that was unveiled at its own event in—I uh, mean, shared, but its own event in September—will be uh, taken. The, the pre-orders were taken, and the uh, shipping will take place I, same time as the October event products, the 12 and 12 Pro. Weird, mm-hmm. but that's 2020. Um, Apple announced the iPad Air last month, but wants it to ship alongside its fellow A14-bearing products, the 12 and the 12 Pro. So. We'll see that iPad Air on Friday. So my expectation would be that we will see two rounds of reviews drop this week if Apple keep to the usual schedules. I don't know if if uh, anything will change here. I mean, obviously, this is the first time that Apple have, I guess, seeded review units of iPhones uh, without there ever being in-person briefings. So I'm intrigued to see if and how right. it changes. But that, like, that's happened with other products. I mean, that, yeah, that, but the iPhone is a different too. beast. Like I could that's imagine. True. I don't know. Like I really do not know the answer to this question. But like oh. I could imagine two uh, embargoes uh, this week. Like one for unboxing and first looks, and one yeah. for reviews. I don't know. Well, they they've done that before, mm-hmm. um, and they could do that again. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen Apple adapt this year. And I've had multiple examples of Apple shipping me a product, a piece of hardware for a review. Mm-hmm. In the old days, they probably would have insisted on an in-person briefing, but not always. Sometimes mm-hmm. that doesn't happen. Um, you're right, not for the iPhone, but the iPhone is different. And and um, But anyway, it's not that far off the playbook. Like that iMac that came out, I mean, I literally was told we will sh- we have a hardware announcement. You will be receiving the hardware. Don't essentially don't open the box until we talk to you. Yeah. Um, so uh, they they have been changing their thing. So I, I imagine that all of the and I'm not one of these people, but that all of the iPhone 12 reviewers who are in that first wave of embargo drops will get will have had phones since last week sometime. And we'll be writing about them and doing their videos and all of those things later on this week. Okay. I mean, I that would make sense based on uh, the way that things have gone in the past. But it was just, you know, and, and I think it's it's not wild to wonder, wonder if things will be the same this time yeah. around. 
you know, the one that made me laugh was um, Becky Worley, who used to work at, at uh, Tech TV. Mm-hmm. I remember her from back when she was a producer on me too. on Call for Help. Mm-hmm. She is uh, she is the tech correspondent for Good Morning America on the ABC network here in the U.S. And yep. uh, she had iPhone 12 and 12 Pro units to show on TV yep. last week. I saw that. Which I think is really interesting, right? Because it's like, well, nobody who's got that stuff can admit that they have it. But for for TV, they're like, yeah, you can, you know, you can show them. Don't talk about using them, but just you can show them. We'll let you show them very specifically to her. And uh, that makes me laugh. That that's, But they're trying stuff. They're trying different stuff. Good for yeah, them. Yeah, that was definitely different. I, I know that she had the the wallet. Uh, like, there's a little video. I'll put a link in the show. Notes. She had yeah. the wallet. And it was funny because she didn't attach it properly. <laughs> so, like, cause huh. she's, like, doing, like, she's, like, presenting. And it was, like, kind of, like, skew with. It was just kind of, like, a funny thing where it's, like, you know, someone at Apple's, like, ah, oh, God, no. Right? Like, it's the first time anyone's ever seen the wallet attached to the phone. And, and she just, like... She ended up moving it and doing it correctly, but it was just like one of those funny little things. Uh, and also, I want to give a shout out, follow out to Federico Vatici's iOS 14 review. Um, it is now out. Um, I'm multiple chapters in, and I'm already still learning things and getting just as much value out of Federico's incredible work as always. If you have not checked it out and you have even a passing interest in iOS and iPadOS, uh, it's worth going and perusing. Even if you just jump around to your favorite chapters, uh, Federico has done a fantastic job as always. So I urge yes. the upgradians to go check it out. So good. Some upstream headlines. Jason, this is all Apple TV related lots today. Of stuff, lots of stuff happening, yeah. Bruce Springsteen has a documentary coming to Apple TV Plus in October. It is behind. It is a behind-the-scenes uh, of the first performance of uh, Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band in 35 years. It was a live performance that they did, and they made a documentary about it, and that's going to be um, on Apple TV Plus. Yeah, I think that's later this week because he's got a. They're dropping an album, and then there's this Apple TV Plus thing that goes along with it. It's all part of the rollout. And it actually ties in because now Apple are doing a kind of a celebration of this on the brand new Apple Music TV, which was announced today. Yeah. Why didn't um, they shorten that to Apple MTV? Oh, they hey, can't. Oh, but it I is. I want my it Apple is. MTV. But I grew up in the eighties. It's MTV. Like mm-hmm. they, the classic MTV. It. They are um, streaming a live video channel. That is um, music, music videos. videos and other stuff like that live, just streaming, not on-demand music videos. This is think of that Beats Beats One or whatever it's called now, mm-hmm. Apple Radio One. Uh, this is that for TV, except it's just music videos. I don't get and this. interviews and stuff. I don't get it's, it. It's so a, it, interesting idea. US only at the moment. Um, it's available in Apple Music on the on the Apple and on the Apple TV. Uh, a quote to Variety. Apple gave this exclusive to Variety. It says, exclusive new music videos and premieres, special curated music video blocks, and live shows and events, as well as chart countdowns and guests. So there's some stuff in there that makes sense to me. Live shows, events, chart countdowns yeah. even. But you know, you've got to assume that this kind of content is more focused towards a youth audience, right? Like that's you know, new music it tends sure. to be consumed by the young. Why would anybody put this on to see what music videos are on when they can just go to YouTube and watch whatever they want. I don't know. I don't get I don't this. Know. This is 
like the Beats One model again. Why would anybody do Beats One, right? Why would anybody do that when they can just choose what music they want to play on demand and play it? I don't know. I'm still not convinced that the let's listen to music part of Beats One has worked. What worked with Beats One is the radio style shows that they have done with notable individuals. Well, Mike, you've just described the evolution of MTV. Yeah. (laughs) Which is that MTV started as a random assortment Mm -hmm. of music videos and very quickly became shows shows uh, that were shows of music videos. And then it was sort of shows about musical genres. And then it was shows that appeal to the same people who like music videos. And ultimately, after about 15 years, (laughs) literally just shows, just reality shows. But that was the evolution is I could turn on MTV um, and here's an admission. When I was a kid, I didn't have cable. So I, I, until I was a freshman in high school, I never, uh, I only saw MTV as recorded on videotape by friends. So you wanted your MTV then? <laughs> I totally wanted my MTV mm-hmm. and I didn't get it. Um, and there were alternate ways to watch music videos, but they were so sad. Like, uh, like NBC had an hour on a Friday night called Friday Night Videos where they just played music videos. And somebody like me who only had an antenna that was like, I could see the music videos now. Um, and I distinctly remember what videos they played actually like amazing. So, um, MTV, like you'd flip it on and you know, it might be Michael Jackson. It might be Madonna. It might be Chicago. (laughs) It might be Rush. It could, it could be, it could be Van Halen. It could be anybody. Uh, and then you, if you didn't like that one, well, you just sit there and waited and see what happened next. Mm -hmm. And that was novel but again i think people very rapidly discovered that oh you know what if we what if we made appointment television where we had a show that ran on saturday that was just heavy metal and we put that on and and that people gravitated toward that so yeah. i don't know i i this is fascinating to me and maybe there, if there's an audience for it that's great i'm not the audience for it but that that's great i i think it's interesting that dab, apple is dabbling mm-hmm. in live you know, in streaming channels that are 24-7. I think that's a cool idea. Um, I I think, um, I mentioned this about Peacock. Peacock has a bunch of channels. And the channels are, are literally just stuff that's on Peacock. But they just play continually. I think there is something in that, right? I think there is something in... And this is, I think Netflix has tried to do this with like the idea of, can you do a random play or something? It's like, is there a 30 Rock channel? You could watch just random episodes of 30 Rock and see what comes up. I think maybe there's something to that. You could do stuff like that. But this isn't that, right? This is just all music (laughs) that exists. And, you know, I clicked play on it today before the show and the music video came up and I was like, not interested. And then I closed it. And that was my entire experience with Apple. Uh, I think TV. what I like about this announcement, the thing that I do like about it, I think is it it highlights that there is autonomy of some description inside of the Apple Music group. Because yeah. I don't think Apple Music TV aligns with Apple's current streaming services direction. It feels like an offshoot. Like, you know, you can definitely draw some lines, some red string to how it makes sense, but it really is kind of out of left field, even the way they announced it, just like randomly on a Monday to Variety. 
and like it you know it it feels know. very much like a, a something that that group wanted to do and they've been able uh, to go and yeah. do it and I, and I think I, I kind of like that because that's how good things are found I think I would also say this this feels a little bit like a um an industry deal mm-hmm. a little bit where I think some of the entertainment products that Apple comes out with are not necessarily motivated by what we would consider classic Apple, let's create a product knowing what people want. Mm -hmm. This smells to me like a product that was created because of some deal or relationship or something that is being negotiated by Apple with music companies um maybe even a condition of them getting access to certain video content for apple music um that this was either invented by apple as a vehicle for that stuff or suggested to apple by the music industry as something they wanted Mm -hmm. i don't know that that's just my i could be wrong and it could be that somebody inside apple can say oh no there's there's an audience for this and it's going to be successful and i'll tell you why and i'd love to hear that but my gut feeling is that this is probably more about uh, a larger deal, a larger relationship between entertainment companies and Apple. Right. And by having this, Apple unlocks things that it actually wants and that it thinks its customers want. And this is just an adjunct where it needs to exist because, you know, they want it. They want it to exist. <laughs> so we will give it to them. But what we really want is something else. I don't know. The morning show has resumed filming. Uh, even though two episodes were mostly complete, the show has undergone significant rewrites to reflect COVID. We yeah. mentioned this before when they said they'd stopped shooting, um, but they went. I believe the report that I read suggests that they start shooting today, today again yeah. on season two. Yeah, and and just uh, for people who are wondering about for all mankind, my understanding there is that they shot almost everything, but they had mm-hmm. a couple episodes left to go or something like that, and yep. I. I'm not I sure if they've, they've come back it. yet. I've, I think they have. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. that that happened uh, already where they, they picked that stuff up. But mm-hmm. we're going to see some interesting... Talk about a challenge for the continuity people. It's like, what was your hair like? Like trying to get it exactly mm-hmm. right so that it doesn't seem strange from scene to scene. Like this was shot in March and this was shot in October. Especially as hair and makeup stuff was a little bit more restricted on film sets. Yeah, so, so there's, there are some challenges there. But they're, they're putting it all together. Season two of Dickinson premieres on January 8th. This will be the first show from the original set. Uh, to Well, it's the first to actually have an official launch date for a second season. Could be yeah. the first one that actually broadcasts of a second season. And season three is now in development of Dickinson. Uh, I wanted to mention that I am watching uh, Long Way Up, uh, which oh, okay. we talked about here, which is yep. the Ewan McGregor, Charlie Borman ride electric motorcycles from the tip of South America to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a documentary series. What's funny, and we talked about this, what, last week, two weeks ago, that um, time has no meaning anymore, but uh, that they picked up the catalog content. So this has got uh, the two previous series that they did um, in, like 15 years ago, Long Way Around and, and Long Way Down, uh, were picked up and put on Apple TV, and then this series was there. And I watched both of those series, and I liked them. And I thought they got better as they went, because I thought the the Long Way Down series had a much much more of a travelogue feel, whereas the first one, Long Way Round, was very much like 
two guys deal with bad roads and mechanical problems on their motorcycles and the fact that they happened to be in Mongolia was not as important as that their motorcycle broke or that there was a river they had to get across. But um, they were shot in 2004 and 2007. And so this is my comment. This is why I wanted to bring it up. Um, To go from 2007 production values to 2020 production values, they shot this in 2019. But the idea that like they're not the first series the the cameras mounted mounted on their um motorcycle helmets and the the microphones that were in their helmets and stuff and all the stuff that they used for shooting like first off it's all standard def and it's big and cameras are so much better now if you think about 2006 2007 to to now this show long way up is 4k hdr and looks amazing (laughs) and it it looks it looks amazing the fact that it uh, that it follows for me like literally the next day from watching the episode that they shot in south africa in 2007 um wow i just i just wanted to say like i I, i've only watched the first episode a long way up but um from that I just took away from it just how much technology and camera technology in particular has advanced. Also in long way down, they're using, they're very excited to have this Nokia phone that has GPS in it because it's 2006. (laughs) And they're like a GPS with a map on it. Let's check the map because Nokia is a sponsor. Let's check the map. And, and we're just laughing at it because you know, a couple years later, that's all gone. The iPhone and suffice it to say the Apple TV plus uh, show, they have iPhones on their motorcycles. Shocker. I know. Shocker. But uh but I just love how how much the tech has improved in terms of cameras that we went from standard death uh on their previous show to four K HDR. Uh and not just like the big cameras that they shoot from the vans and stuff, but like the helmet mounted stuff is tiny and spectacularly better in terms of quality. It's amazing to see. So that's been fun to watch. And lastly today, uh Apple announced that they have done a new deal. Um, with Peanuts, the Charlie Brown uh, people, yeah, Peanuts Worldwide. They're going to be bringing some classic Charlie Brown specials to TV+, Plus, along with new originals and another new season of Snoopy in Space. Yeah, yeah and it sounds like they are, they're doing some new holiday-themed ones because they were always holiday specials. Mm-hmm. And they've run out of holidays for Peanuts specials, but they found some. They've unearthed or created some new ones. But um, one aspect of this press release that, at least the way I read it, is that even if you're not an Apple TV Plus subscriber, on you know basically a day or two around the holiday, they are going to make them available for free. Mm-hmm. So like the it's a great pumpkin, it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown will be available October 30th through November 1st mm-hmm. for free on Apple TV Plus. So everybody will be able to watch it. It sounds like mm-hmm. um, that's the way I read that. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then th- likewise for Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and Charlie Brown Christmas that they will, um, they, I, I, we'll see. We'll, we will see how they do it, but it sounds like they're trying to, they, they, they want to be the home of peanuts basically. So we'll see how that goes. 
This episode is brought to you by Text Expander from our friends at Smile. Take your time back with the power of Text Expander. Repetitive typing, little mistakes, searching for answers, these are things that take precious time away from you and your team. With Text Expander, you can take it back. You can reduce that time, reduce that frustration. The latest version of Text Expander even has new and improved statistics reporting for organizations, including the ability to build reports of customizable date ranges for enterprises and individuals, so you can actually track how much time your team saves, which I guess I bet is a great thing to put on a slide in a presentation. So look at, look at this thing that I did, and look how much time we're saving. With Text Expander, you can keep your team consistent, accurate, and current by sharing text and images with the whole staff. It keeps them on track. Everyone will share the same message, give the same answers to all customer questions. You'll be able to work faster and smarter using Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations to streamline and speed up everything that you type. You can create powerful snippets to save you time so that all you type in is a short abbreviation. Text Expander does the rest of the typing for you. You. you can keep your whole team communicating efficiently with consistent language and also share your snippets of messaging signatures and descriptions with everyone who works on these projects with you. We actually use these exact features here at Relay FM when we're communicating with some of the companies that we work with. It helps make sure that we're all saying the right things at the right time and that if somebody has a great idea, we can update a snippet and it gets shared with everyone. Text Expander is available on Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad, and upgrade listeners get 20% off their first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash podcast to learn more about Text Expander today. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander for their support of this show and Relay FM. So one week later, we have a bunch of things that we have learned. One of the things that we were confused about so much last time was about the way that the HomePod and HomePod Mini would work <laughs> with TV because we thought it would be one thing, then we read the website, which made it seem like it was another thing, and then we changed our minds. But here's what it is. So we were super confused about if you could use the HomePod Mini in a stereo pair with the TV and how that would work. So it turns out that two HomePod Minis in a stereo pair will do almost exactly what the original HomePod can currently do. So what I was talking about, the setup that I really love at home with my two HomePods, the HomePod mini will do that. So you can connect a stereo pair to your TV and you get this like immersive stereo experience. But we were talking about something that said, what was it, like Apple TV for, it was like Apple TV HD or something like TV audio or something was on the website. Yeah, so it, it was a home theater or something home like theater, that. That was it. So and we thought it was a feature that existed, but it turns out it's a new feature that was only exist. announced in the bullet points mm -hmm. of the HomePod, and it's HomePod only, not HomePod Mini yeah. supported. And that is what I guessed it was actually based on that, which is it's basically doing with HomePods what uh, the same thing that happens with AirPods Pro, which is it's 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 taking a surround signal mm -hmm. and decoding it to create uh, spatial audio yep. out of uh, HomePod. two HomePods, but mm -hmm. that only works on the big HomePods. It's basically 5.1 and 7.1 surround and Dolby Atmos uh, content will be now played in what is called an immersive home theater experience when paired of an Apple TV 4K. And this is coming at some point. Presumably, this is probably all going to be of iOS 14 and 0.2. It was my expectation. Um, 
I haven't seen it anywhere. Uh, this will be especially useful because with tvOS and iOS 14.2, you'll be able to finally set the HomePod as the default speaker. So you no longer have to like change it from, no, I want it not to be on the TV, I want it to be the HomePod. You can just set it up and be like, for this Apple TV 4K, these HomePods are the speakers. When anything ever plays, it comes to here, no matter what has happened on the HomePod. Because it's always annoying to me that if I listen to music on my HomePod, the next time I go to the TV, I then have to set the output again. So you'll be able to actually set it as, no, this is where the TV plays audio to. So I am extra excited about this for two reasons. One, I can now restate what I said last time. <laughs> <laughs> which was, if you pay $200 and get two HomePod minis, my expectation is you're going to have a great home theater setup if you're wanting to use an Apple TV of it. I really recommend this for people that live in small spaces, um, in apartments and stuff like that. I, I guarantee you will get, even though I have not used a HomePod mini, I can still, I think, guarantee that you will get a better experience than using your television um, speakers so that's really great because then you can also put them wherever you want you can put them closer to you super awesome and then yep. when the new HomePod comes I'm really excited to try out how this sounds uh, so well not the new HomePod the new update for the HomePod really excited about that yeah I uh, expect that you will download a beta update mm -hmm. your HomePods to a version that supports this and add this to your tvOS review ah uh, the connected tvOS review yeah this is yes and in fact I, in fact I would say Mike this is such an exciting feature you mm -hmm. might want to hold off on your tvOS oh, review yeah. until this feature uh, ships yeah unfortunately Apple keeps pushing back my tvOS review on connected and this is just another reason why I've done it yeah the homepod mini supports thread networking. This is the first Apple product to do so. I'll give you a quote here from MacRumors article, but I can explain it in a little more detail. Thread is a low-power IP-based networking technology for connecting Internet of Things devices, offering a secure mesh-based system that makes it easy to build an ecosystem of devices. So this is basically like... I think it's a separate chip in some devices, but maybe some like system on a chip support it. But it effectively allows for internet, like smart devices to talk to each other in a low power way yeah. and is yeah, supported a, across lots of different device types. Yeah, this is this is an emerging, uh, I think that it's in here, just makes me suspect that the uh, the connected home working group is Sorry. perhaps going to standardize on thread as their uh, choice it feels for likely, this, doesn't it? but this this is. Um, in fact, I learned about Thread from when Eero sponsored Me too. our podcast. I was going to say that. Yep, that the first uh, devices um, that I knew about was, was Eero's because they are not a sponsor today, but they are a sponsor in general. Uh, they're beacons, the little extenders. They work with Thread networking. Yeah, so this is a an interesting thing that I think, like the U1 chip, is kind of you raise an eyebrow and you say. Um, what does this mean for the future? Mm -hmm. And maybe nothing, but probably, uh, probably something. Maybe you know this. This, I, I doubt they would have put it in here if they didn't have some sort of intent of uh, using it down the road. Yeah, I expect all of Apple's home products will get thread chips going into the future. So it's just like a, it is a standard. Apple is on the standards body for thread network for thread. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, this is one of them. Uh, like his bigger sibling, uh, the HomePod Mini has a non-detachable cable, but this time it ends in a USB-C connector. Ah. And there is a 20-watt adapter in the box. That's nice. 
So this, the two things about this story is like one, the thing that upset a lot of people, and I understand why at first is that like the HomePod had no way of bringing um, aux in, right? You basically you could only play audio that it would allow. You couldn't plug anything into it, right? Um, and then the cable, the power cable, was just physically attached to it. But now with the the uh, the HomePod Mini. It, it ends in a USB-C, which I think is actually a better choice for this product. I don't know if I would necessarily assume that Apple should do this for the main HomePod, but this device seems small enough that like you might want to plug it into an outlet that has a USB-C connection on it rather than a uh, like a socket. And I've also seen some people suggest that you know like maybe you could power this thing through other means, like a battery pack. Right or something like that that huh. has a USB-C attachment to it. So that, I, I'm intrigued to try that out. If it's only a 20 watt power adapter, I would expect lots of things would be able to power this thing, and then that could become more useful to you uh, as a little speaker you could take around to different places because it's got USB-C on the end. Yeah, you said aux in, and it sounded like orcs in. You let the orcs in. Like it's a little one does not simply Ox. let the orcs in. Yeah, but when you say it, it's like you're allowing cows or like bull into it, right? Ox. You're just letting the yes. ox in. Here comes yeah, the ox. Like, uh-huh. So Ox you, in. Ox in, cow out. <laughs> ox in, ox out. There you go. That's that's no. our fantasy bar. We let the ox in, but the orcs need to leave. Oh. I would prefer the bar that lets the orcs in, but not the ox. Oxen. In. Earpods and iPhone uh, price the the charger prices the power adapter prices have been cut by ten dollars, so that's the you know now that now that we have to buy them if we want them they've cut the price a little bit ten dollars is the amount that Apple's brought them down by. Uh, Apple have also removed earpods and chargers from all phones. The SE and the 10R no longer have them in the boxes. Yep. They have not amended prices. So but so basically the story now is if you can buy a new phone from Apple you will no longer get AirPods or or the uh, power adapters in the box. So we I had an upgrade and actually send in uh, a picture they just bought a 10R for a family member and it's already gone. So that's how I knew about the 10R cuz I I saw Mark Gurman reporting about the SE no longer having it, but yeah. it's also the 10R. It's all sold separately now. So this is all, I mean, it's very clear now that mm-hmm. um, that worldwide, Apple has said, we're not going to put power plugs in, and uh, we're also going to start not putting headphones in. So it's all, it's all settling down clear as crystal. Right, Mike? Yes, Jason. <laughs> Except in... Oh, yes, except in France. This is hilarious. Sorry, I didn't know we were moving on. Uh, If you live in France, you still get earpods in the box. Vive la France! Viva la uh, Revolution. Okay. Um, There is a law in France. I I would just say, France, I I love all of our French listeners. Um, I love how you started this story, though. Yep. There is a law. It is a law. Uh, sorry, I apologize greatly for what I just said. Um, f- the French have lots of laws that are interesting. 
Um, <laughs> they have lots of laws around content, stuff that we've spoken about before, right? Yep. Like certain amounts of music, TV, uh, all have to be in French language. And I understand they are trying yeah, to protect made in France. French. Yeah. yeah, they don't want a, our our awful language ruining their language. Mm-hmm. Like they, how like how their language ruined our language. Oh. Yes. Well, um, anyway, uh, one of the one of these interesting laws is that there is a law in France that every phone must be included with a hands-free kit in the box. Mm. So that you know, that was back when we used to call them hands-free kits. Uh, this, is, this is from the era where it was expected that when you bought a phone, you would hold it up to your head mm-hmm. all the time, which now, I feel like we this, have left that era definitely. behind, but the law remains. When you hear me say that law, I know that everyone that's listening to this says to themselves, oh yeah, because of driving, right? That's what you assume. The law is about that you include a hands-free kit so people won't hold the phone up to their ears when they're driving, right? No, wrong. This this law protects children from the risks of electromagnetic waves. The uh, This is the kind of law that was written when what you did is you took your Nokia Mm -hmm. uh, candy bar phone Mm -hmm. and you plugged a weird kind of wide clicky thing with a bunch of pins into it. Click. And then you had a single little earpiece with yep. that foam on it, mm-hmm. and you stuck that in your ear, and a little clip on the microphone. You that's clip right. It to your and show. then you said, "I'm hands free. Mm-hmm. Look at me." And then that you show was your hands. The, the finest uh, technology of 2005. So there we go. So I am intrigued. And I would like to know, listeners out there, if we have any French listeners that are continuing to listen to the show, they haven't rage quit. <laughs> yeah, I would like this earlier. <laughs> pictures of these boxes because I want to know how Apple are handling this. What because is the this is, is, it, is it like intriguing. tucked in like a secret compartment down at the bottom that like, or, or is there a special? Do they bundle it up French like box? they do the watch? Like what do they do? I am very intrigued uh, about this. Send us your pictures, like one of your French iPhones. Oh, look at that! It's sort of a reference. I hope you're proud of yourself. I am unduly proud. Uh, iPhone 12 Pro features 6 gigabytes of RAM. The 12 and 12 mini have 4 gigabytes of RAM. So if you're wondering why some features, especially in the photography department uh, for photo and video, are exclusive to the iPhone 12 Pro, this could be the technical reason that's doing that if it's not just a we want to differentiate the line reason. Uh, I think personally, I think both are acceptable. Um, but this could be the reason. Like there are some, like the the Pro Raw is on these phones only, and that you know maybe RAM helps with that. And I believe that there is a different frame rate for the HDR video. Um, I I believe this goes up to 60 frames per second on the Pro phones and 30 frames per second on the non-Pro phones. Is that right, Jason? It's either 30 and 60 or 60 and 120, but basically oh, this could be the, the one of the things that... Pr- I think it's 30 and reason. 60. Okay, I think it's 30 and 60. And 60. So this yeah. could be it. Who knows? But uh, there is a difference. That is one of the differences uh, that exists for these devices. 30 and 60, David is confirming in the Discord. All leather cases for the new phones will not be available until November 6th. So this was an interesting thing. It was just... Po- it was just um, the plastic and silicone uh, cases that were available in the App Store. Uh, I did find this interesting that Otterbox have cases in the Apple Store already. So obviously Apple have done some kind of deal with them uh, to allow them to have the actual specifications 
in advance. Uh, so I think that's kind of interesting. Those Otterbox cases look really nice too. They're like a almost tie-dye, Jason. I think you would like them. I know you mm. like tie-dye. Um, Apple have not yet really announced think. a date for the MagSafe Duo charger, which is funny, right? Because it's like any any charger-based solution that Apple introduces that even looks like it could be air power now. Maybe they want to not talk about when it's coming out in case it can't. Um, but that, that device has not yet been announced with a date, but it's just coming at some point. But all of the leather cases will be available for purchase on or around the time that you can get your uh, the other round of pre-order phones. And cases and MagSafe chargers have begun arriving with customers. So people started receiving them. There's been lots of photos of them online. Uh, I'm really intrigued to see how exactly how these cases sit on the new phones. Obviously, that's not a thing that we've been able to see yet because, you know, it, it doesn't look like there's much of a lip on the, the case, but like a little bit. And I'm really intrigued to see like how far up the case at uh, the phone that these cases go you know like do they do they sit flush with the screens do they overhang the screens a little bit i'm interested to see that plus just uh when you look at that magsafe charger it looks really weird because it looks like it's a apple watch charger but then you see it next to the apple watch charger and then it looks weird in proportion it's just like a funny uh-huh. little thing yeah well i'll so. be used to it though that's the that's the funny thing is in a year it'll be like old at. But I love this. This is one of the quirks about Apple product releases that I really love, which is that Apple will, is happy to send you all of these accessories in advance of you yeah, actually having just the product. Like, get them out of here. We don't even want them. You know. Yeah. It's weird. This isn't nobody's nobody's waiting anticipating this. We can just uh, shoot these out now and mm-hmm. not worry about it. I uh, discovered when pre-ordering a phone. I'll talk about it later. Um, the Apple would only let you order two MagSafe chargers at once. And I tried to order huh. three, I think, just like one, two for home, one for the studio, just like kitting out everywhere with these things, right? And it meant that like the the webs the store kept erroring out on me, which means that we have to wait a little bit longer for ours. But it was just an interesting thing. Apple would only let you order two of them at one time. Just don't want to don't want to run out. I guess people want people are gonna want them. I guess. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom from SolarWinds. Today's internet users expect a fast web experience. No matter how good your content is or how effective your marketing, they're going to leave if your website loads too slowly. With real user monitoring from Pingdom, you can discover how website performance issues affect your visitors' experiences so you're able to take action before your business is impacted. How your visitors experience your website differs depending on the browser, device, and platform that they use, so you want to identify Identify how visitors experience your website so you're able to make informed optimizations to help deliver a great performance to the people that matter most. Real user monitoring is an event-based solution, so it's built for scalability. This means you can monitor millions of page views without compromising the fidelity of your historical data or breaking the bank in the process. Get live visitor insights today with real user monitoring from Pingdom. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM and get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use the code UPGRADE at checkout to get an amazing 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and Relay FM. 
Okay, benchmarks for the iPhone 12 Pro have been surfacing. Uh, Geekbench scores have been popping up around the web, as they tend to do. And it's exactly what we thought, right? There's about 20 to 25% speed improvement over the A13 Bionic. Yeah, it's, it's faster. It's faster in line with previous updates. Yeah, I That's really think that the story the here is the neural engine, which does, obviously doesn't show up at the benchmarks. You know, like the increasements to the neural engine. You know, it, when we spoke to Tim, Mil, Mil, uh, Tim Millay, it really seemed like that was what he was seen to be focused on. And then when I look at all of the stuff that they're doing um, with camera processing, that's where it really feels like a lot of that time has been spent, right? It's making mm-hmm. the neural stuff and the machine learning stuff stronger. And when you yeah. look at how the chip's broken up and how Apple showed it on, on the slides, it really feels like that's where they're putting a lot of the emphasis that was definitely something that came up um, talking to Tim Malay, right, a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. that Neural Engine is a focus for them right now. Mm-hmm. And it won't be forever, right? But there is definitely a feeling now that a lot of features get better when you apply machine learning to them mm-hmm. and that they can gain a lot of extra like they make these incremental speed boosts with CPU and uh, with you know multi-core performance and things like that, and then they can add cores. And their their GPU performance continues to improve, which is great. And it's not like they've stopped, but I definitely get the sense that they've looked at the neural engine stuff and said, well, the place where we can make enormous speed boosts is machine learning, which is increasingly a part of the the bigger picture. And so that seems to be where they're they're putting a lot of their effort right now in terms of, you know, it's it's a little like talking about Apple's finances mm-hmm. where the CPU speed is the iPhone sales or CPU and GPO. It's the iPhone sales. Like it's the most important thing and you need to have it. But the machine learning stuff is like services revenue or wearables revenue where it's small, but that's where the, the big action is right now because yeah. that's where there's opportunity for for growth and who knows what the next big thing will be but um i'd imagine that the software side at apple is looking at everything they do and saying how could this be done better with machine learning like could we do this better now that we have access to the neural engine on on modern a series chips yeah you know, i was thinking about machine learning the other day and and neural engines and all that kind of stuff I know that, that, you know, this is potentially a pie-in-the-sky-like thought, but there is so much that can be done in these areas because our computers are so stupid. And if companies really find ways to make them smarter, like if that is, a, if that is an actual future that companies like Apple can move to, like that really does seem like an interesting thing. Like, you know, when I say stupid, it's like, Really, Siri can only provide me with answers to basic things, right? Yeah. And just the way that it does them is great. But if I want to explain something to my computer, it doesn't want that, right? Like, it can't accept that. And if we are able to continue to move towards a future where I can have an actual conversation, like as simple as, hey, 
Oh, hi, telephone. What is my next event today? And it says, you have a doctor's appointment at four. And then I say, can you change that to three o'clock? And they're like, okay, let me just check with the, like, you know, like actually have a backwards and forwards conversation with a yeah. computer like it's an assistant. Like that is the future that these companies try to pretend like they have given us now, but it's not even nearly it, right? But like if that's something that we can move towards, like I want that and that I guess is why companies like Apple are investing so much of their time and effort into these neural engines because the headroom there from where we are now to where we could be is maybe higher in it in this form of computing than any other type of computing that we currently work at in the consumer space, right? If we're looking at speed of chips, whatever, like they're faster than we need them to be now. Like no one's bumping up against the top end of a lot of this stuff in consumer technology anymore, right? Like graphics engines, like seriously, like come on. The, the best yep. graphics that you will find in a compu- in, in games today typically tends to be in games consoles, well, Apple's chips are as fast as Sony's, right? Like, it, all of this stuff is pretty standardized, and we see these big jumps, right? Like, there are big jumps in, in uh, computer gaming hardware at the moment, and great, but, like, it doesn't really feel like there's much more we can go, like, much more further we can go, especially when you compare it to the smarts of computing and how much room there still is left in that. So it was just a random thought I had. No, uh, I think can ever I think it it's interesting to think of what the empty space is. I mean, talking about chip design and neural engine, I mean, let's talk about software in general. One of the open fields where there fe- it feels like there's enormous room for growth is in these intelligent assistants. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got to do them... Um, uh, Anybody who lived through the early days of the PC industry, like computers were really bad for a really long time and they eventually got to be pretty good. This is the case where our assistants right now are varying degrees of bad, but I would say they're all bad in the sense that none of them really can do what we want them to do. It's like you imagine Google are the best, right? And Google do all of these things that are interesting, but they're just gimmicks, they're tricks, right? Like this one that they've 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 just shown, which I think is clever, is you can have the Google Assistant wait on hold for you on a call and it's detecting when there's music playing. And then when a human comes in, you get notified and you can pick up the call. That's really clever, but that's not like smart. That's a thing that someone made. It's not like Right it got smarter so it could do that. You know what I mean? Like somebody was like, we want to build this feature. Let's take the steps to build that feature. They're like little fun tricks and gimmicks that you can do with the powers of computers, but it's not smart. It didn't do that. It, it, and I understand well, that the, the pe- that people get concerned about stuff like this, but the computer didn't learn to do that. And that's what we want to be moving towards. The f- uh, Something in Federico's review actually, to, to go back to that, is about him getting frustrated that there are all of these Siri intelligence offered things for like shortcuts mm-hmm. and they're never anything he wants to do. No. And I, I was excited about the Siri widget that basically is going to put apps on your home screen, but it's going to, it's eight apps, but it's eight apps that it's it thinks you might want to see right now. And that that lasted like an hour on my home screen mm-hmm. because it was never apps I wanted to see, and and so this is this is a case where 
um, smarter. So machine learning has proven to be really effective in certain areas, right? Like it, it is really effective at scanning all your photos and identifying and tagging objects and stuff like that. You can train it for stuff like that. But there is this other aspect of it, which is, you know, can it be better at, can, can my device be better at intuiting what I want and what I'm trying to do? And uh, can our voice assistants be better? And all of these other aspects of it. And that, that seems to be where it's, uh, it's kind of empty. So there, there are, uh, and whether ultimately it's the neural engine that helps make that better or whether it's just they need to do a better job in the cloud of programming smart assistants, I don't know. But um, it, it feels like an empty hole. And yes, I will grant you that Siri is, is deeper in that hole <laughs> Uh, that's empty. I don't know what that means. It, it, series further down, but um, they're all bad. I, I was arguing with my Amazon Echo based product the other day. Um, they're all bad mm-hmm. and it's a place that they, they, I would like for them to get better. And that's not just for voice assistants, but it's also for like on device. Like I would really like, like, you know, Apple has this feature in the Apple watch that they introduced a couple uh, years ago that is automatically sensing when you um you stop and start a workout mm-hmm. without actually choosing the workout start and stop and i i it still doesn't work right for me like i'll i'll walk up a steep hill for a long time and nothing and then it will suddenly 25 minutes in it'll be like oh are you walking <laughs> like yeah i'm yeah I've been walking for quite a while now. And I've also had it where I've stopped to talk. This happened uh, yesterday. I stopped on a trail while we were hiking to talk to a friend and who was running the other way. And um, we stopped there and chatted for five minutes, just standing there. And um, at no point did my watch tap me and say, are you, do you want to pause now? Are you done with your workout? Mm-hmm. Um, so then we continue walking and five minutes later while we're walking it says oh do you want to pause now like what what are you seeing now and and it's just one of those things that like that's a feature apple thought was good enough to put in the device and it still can't into it based on uh what its various sensors are telling it that i'm doing as a as a human being and like i want all my devices to be way better at that like way better at intuiting my uh, behavior based on their sensors. And this is, you know, it goes way beyond telling me whether I've stood or not. Like it's, and this is a, this is a place where we could do some amazing things, especially with wearables, but with all the sensors we got in our phones, there's a lot of really intelligent, uh, deduction that could be done, but it's just not there yet. So, uh, moving on, uh, the John Gruber wrote a great article, uh, which I saw you linking to as well. I know that you, it oh. was it's full of lots of little interesting details. There, yeah, so Gruber does a good job, but this is like, I think he outdid himself. I think this is a mm-hmm. very good, useful, clear article mm-hmm. about what is up with the iPhones in terms of price mm-hmm. and in terms of um, the, especially the camera functionality. Yeah, and it's worth reading for those two things. And we're not going to go too actually really into detail all about the confounding camera stuff because I know I'm just going to tie myself up in knots again. So it's worth reading this article. But there are a couple of things I wanted to pull out. Uh, one is, first, comparing like-to-like models year over year, the regular iPhone 12 is $130 more expensive than the iPhone 11. So something that it didn't really dawn on me until I read this. Uh, the iPhone starts at the same price that it started at before, but that's the mini now. Yeah, it, this is this is one of those things that I think we got swept up in the in the details of the products last week and missed. 
And I really appreciated Gruber breaking it down. And he also broke it down with the $30 rolled in because he thinks that the $30 discount thing is is bogus. And I, I think he's right, even though most customers in the U.S. will get it with the $30 discount. And, you know, his point is it's a price increase. Whether you want to say it's $100 or $130, this is... Um, actually a lot like what happened with the iPhone 10, which is they brought a product line to OLED and the price went up mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily surprising if you think about it that, that way. But mm-hmm. if you were shopping for an iPhone 11 last year, and then you look at the 12 this year, uh, it's a hundred dollars more, $130 more depending. Um, and the mini is the price of, of what the 11 was last year. And that's just those, those products are more expensive so the um the price to buy into the flagship line only went up thirty dollars and if you're on a major carrier it really didn't go up but that's the mini and if you want the larger phone um it's it's a hundred dollars more so this is this is a a creeping up apple went a couple of years without necessarily doing the the creeping up Mm -hmm. in price thing but here we are they they did it this year yeah what they but what they did do which was they tried to do everything they could to make it look like the price hadn't changed, which is fine. Like, fine. I'm not, I'm not, this isn't a big complaint from me, but that is what they've done here. Like, the prices had to go up clearly for what they were putting in it. We know this from OLED. OLED is more expensive. Okay. Um, but they tried their best to maintain the price that they had. Uh, and they did a couple of things to do that. They got rid of chargers. They got rid of AirPods. They made it cheaper to ship these phones because they can ship more of them in the same containers. Um, there is so many things that went into keeping the prices even relatively consistent, right? So like the phone still starts, the line still starts at 699, which is with the mini. And it also included asking carriers to help them, right? Yeah. Like they did everything they could to get it to that price. Um, right. And another quote, not including a power adapter in the box also clearly nudges people towards spending the $39 for the new MagSafe charger in the same way that removing the headphone jack nudged people towards buying AirPods. I thought this was really insightful. Um, that like Not that it's the reason, but it helps, right? And it was similar. It was like they got rid of uh, the headphone jack for a bunch of reasons, I'm sure. Uh, but one of them was definitely because they could push people towards um, initially Beats and then AirPods. And it's probably a similar thing here where now they have this new uh, charging technology that they're happy with and they want to push people towards that. So by getting rid of the power adapters, people go to the store to buy a power adapter maybe and they maybe pick up this one instead. Right. Even though the MagSafe charger doesn't come with a power brick either, but (laughs) nevertheless. Um, I wanted to ask if you had uh, any more thoughts yourself uh, on the iPhone line. I know that you've been writing a bunch of stuff about it this week. Have any more kind of considerations solidified for you? Well, I think the big thing, so I wrote a piece at Macworld that was about a dilemma that I think a lot of people are going to have, and I feel it, but I think that there are a bunch of people who feel it more acutely than me, and it's the people who have been frustrated at the size of Apple's phones getting creeping up, getting bigger over time. That the from From the 5 line to the 6 line, um, and then from the six, the six family, you know, six, seven, eight to the ten, and the screen on the twelve Pro is larger than the screen on the eleven Pro, right? So it's this feeling of like it, it continues to creep. And in my Macworld column, I said it's that you know it's the frog in the in the pot of water, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it, you you it just keeps getting warmer and warmer. But if you don't like 
a larger phone and you prefer a smaller phone, um, how far will Apple push you? And so I think with the existence of the mini, you now have a flagship phone that is noticeably smaller, um, smaller in hand, especially because these, these screens are now pushed so close to the edges that it's mostly about uh, the, the, what you really need to do is think about the size of it, holding it in your hand. Um, and because that's usually what people feel it's in their hand or in their pocket. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so I've been thinking about that. What I didn't really think about that I think is also worth noting here is so first the 12 pro from the 11 pro, although the screen is larger, the 12 pro is actually not physically that much larger. It's about a 10th of an inch mm-hmm. taller and 0.01 inches wider so it's mm-hmm. essentially in your hand the same it's just slightly taller and the screen is bigger because you measure on the diagonal and so a small change can end up being a larger change on the diagonal what i neglected to consider is the fact that the iphone 12 is the same physical size as the 12 pro whereas the 11 was like the 10R. It's bigger. A, a bigger phone. And chunkier. So you had, if you did small, medium, large, it was it was 11 Pro and then 11 and then 11 Pro Max. It's not the case this time. They're mm-hmm. basically the same phone. So the truth is, if you're somebody who has a 10 uh, class phone and you're looking to upgrade your phone, you have a bunch of choices because you could you have two phones that are essentially the same size as the phone that you've got the 12 and the 12 pro and they, they have different features and the screens aren't exactly identical, I think, but they're, but they are in the hand. They're the same. Um, and then you've got the mini, which is way smaller. So I just, I think that's really interesting that, that um, I kept in my mind kind of aligning the 12 with the 11 as a larger, cheaper phone and in truth, it is no, it is neither, right? It, it, it's what's well, cheaper, but it's more expensive than the 11, the 12 is. And it's smaller than the 11, which I think the price makes it complicated, but the size thing I feel like maybe makes it a little bit more of a mainstream phone that it's about the same size. It's not this kind of inexplicably larger yet cheaper phone because that's a little bit of a variation for Apple. But, um, but the mini then is the obvious small one. So I think, I think there's a real question here and that, that there's some people who are going to leap for the mini because it's like I, I, the 10 size is already too large. The eight size is too large. I want to go down. The mini lets me do that. Great. Then there's everybody else who's like either on a, you know, six, seven, eight or went to the 10, 10 S 11, somewhere in there, 11 pro. I mean, and they look at the 12 and the 12 pro and say, these are essentially the same size. So which one do I want? And that's an interesting buying question too, which is 12 or 12 Pro because the 12 is cheaper. Um, not as cheap as you might think, like at 128 gigs, the 12, thank you, John Gruber, for your chart. Uh, at 128 gigs of storage, the 12 is only $120. I guess $150 if you've got the good carrier. Cheaper than the the 12 pro they're closer it's just that you can cut it back to 64 and get it for even cheaper 
So I think it's really, I think those are the things that I find the most fascinating. Now, you big phone people are just like, well, Pro Max, it's just Pro Max. And like, I get it. That's actually kind of the easiest decision. But otherwise, you've got this very interesting two almost identical phones uh, in terms of size, Mm -hmm. but one has Pro features and one doesn't. And then you've got the Mini and the question, do you go down in size? How much has the ever-increasing flagship iPhone size bothered you? Do you want to go all the way back? Or do you pick up that mini and think, oh, I, I guess I got used to the big phone. I'll just stick with the I'll just stick with the twelve or twelve pro. One of the things that I think we are yet to see, and I'm really intrigued to see how this feels and shakes out of most people, is yes, the physical sizes haven't changed that much, but the screens have gotten bigger and what does that feel like? Right. You know, like I get, I totally, get, I'm completely on board with what you're saying, right? That like these phones are bigger, but they're not bigger. Um, but the screens are bigger, and the screens are proportionally much larger than the physical size changes have been. Right. Um, and also I'm- the idea of like, well, the screens are stretching out, right? Because the uh-huh. sides are flat, they're not rounded anymore. Um, and so I think it is a thing to, that's worth considering because whilst your phone might not be physically larger, it will be more tricky potentially for you to reach across the screen. So I'm ex- I'm intrigued right. to see how these screen size changes actually feel in use. A lot of ergonomic issues that we're going to yep. have to explore. And, and having kind of batted down the concern about it getting taller, mm-hmm. the 12 and 12 Pro, getting mm-hmm. taller than the 11 Pro, and saying, well, it's really about how it fits in your hand. That's true to a point, right? But one of the, my biggest problem, honestly, with mm-hmm. iPhone ergonomics right now on the 11 Pro that I have is not the width of the phone at all. It's the fact that I can't comfortably reach anything that's up at the top of the screen. Yeah. Um, and I, when I think about the mini, I think it's not just going to be narrower. <laughs> it's also going to be shorter. <laughs> and that is uh, interesting to me. I wonder how that's going to, that, that's going to feel. So I don't know. It, it, ergonomics are important, and we talk a lot about prices and 5G radios and processors and neural engines and all of that sort of techie stuff. But one of the very important things when it comes to a lot of these products, especially a phone, is the ergonomics. It's like, how does it feel in your hand, uh, and how does it feel tapping on the screen? And is it also out there that we don't really know yet is is it slippery like a bar of soap or does it feel more uh Mm -hmm. stable in your hand which i I have high hopes that it will Uh, i am happy to report that my favorite fact about iphone about ios and ipads and iphone product sizing is still in effect that the 2018 slash 2020 ipad pro is still the thinnest device apple has ever made Mm. Um, the all of the phones are 7.4 millimeters thick, all of them, all four, which is interesting to me. Um, that Even the Mini is as thick as the Pro. I just find that intriguing. Um, it's weird to me that they've decided to keep that thickness so, so consistent. And the iPad Pro is 5.9 millimeters thick. The new iPad Air is 6.1. So even the iPad Air is a little bit thicker than the iPad Pro. Um, it's one of my favorite facts. It's one that I say every now and then, and people never believe it, and then they have to go check it themselves because it does seem so, uh, so surprising, really. That like you know, like the iPad Pro is thinner than the iPod Touch ever was, even. So, really, really peculiar. 
Um, for me, uh, I've been doing some reflecting on last week. I feel like the presentation last week itself left me frustrated, but that was just in the presentation. Like, on reflecting about the devices themselves, I am actually really excited uh, about the iPhone 12 line. I think that overall, this is a very good upgrade because the design looks great and I'm very excited to see what that looks like to hold it um, and to see what the new colors are like. Uh, I like that there's more choice, you know, like the, the inclusion of the mini really is fantastic because uh, Apple have finally cr have created a phone which is of top tier quality and a size that people thought was gone, right? Like when, when the SE came out and it was it was the new SE and it was just an iPhone 8, you know, I think we all just thought that that, that that small phone could have been gone forever. So I'm really pleased to see that Apple have made a small, modern phone. Um, the leaps in camera performance, both in software and hardware, are very intriguing to me, especially on the Pro Max. Um, I'm really uh, looking forward to and intrigued about what, images look like from that phone right like what is it actually going to look like and feel like in in daily use um, and also just the magsafe stuff is really uh exciting to me like new options for accessories people can be creative again um i'm excited about that you know like echoing back from the beginning of the show i'm excited about the the possibility of having a pop socket that i could just take off and then put my phone on a wireless charger which is just not something that i've been able to do uh, before so I, I just wanted to say that like I felt like I was frustrated after the event because it was short and, and confusing in some places and some of the way that uh, Apple decided to talk about 5G and stuff was quite frustrating to me um, especially because it, you know not being in the UK like it so not being in the US it, it like really irked me um, like how American focused the presentation was so yeah, the, the presentation annoyed me, but I'm super excited about the devices themselves. Uh, and speaking of which, uh, I, I referenced earlier ordering, so we ordered a DNRA 12 Pro. So I will have a new phone to play around with. Um, I will be kind of stealing it every now and then to see how it feels, and we'll be doing some camera tests and stuff. So on next week's episode... Uh, I will at least, just, I have, will have some experience of a 12 Pro, so I'm excited about that. We're actually picking it up at a store, Jason. So I'll talk about what that process <laughs> is like to go to one of the biggest Apple stores in the world on iPhone launch day in 2020 to pick up a phone. I'm expecting that to be somewhat of an experience in and of itself. So, so there we go. I'm excited for next week. You get to brave the Apple Store and see what that process is like, and I'm curious because you know I went through it for my thing, but my thing was buying a watch band, so mm -hmm. it didn't really matter so much. Um, I haven't ordered anything, just to be clear. Again, mm -hmm. I haven't ordered anything, but I'm hopeful that I'm going to get to try all this stuff uh, yeah. for review. Yeah, so that'd, that'd be cool. Be so, yeah, hopefully, fun. hopefully, both of us will have had some experience with the 12 or 12 Pro um, by our next episode. I hope so. This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. So there's this documentary on Netflix at the moment. I've been seeing tons of people talk about it online. It's called The Social Dilemma. Uh, and its focus is on how people use social media, how companies that control the services learn everything from us based on the information we give to them. 
the documentary itself features a bunch of uh, technology insiders and people that work for these companies talking about how social media is engineered to exploit users' data for profit. It is known as, quote, surveillance capitalism. Uh, it, that phrase is complicated, you know, like, because the idea of capitalism in, in the way that I'm used to is like I go to a store and I buy something and then the transaction has ended. But my data being harvested to make companies richer, like social media companies, is, is quite a complicated thing because I think my data is my data, your data is your data. It shouldn't be taken and used to make money against our will, right? Like, we don't want that. And this is one of the reasons why I and you can use ExpressVPN because every time you use the internet, big tech companies mine your data, they track your searches, your messages, video history. They use this to build their ad services. They use this to build their platforms. But when you run ExpressVPN on your device, it hides your IP address, which websites can use to personally identify you. And it makes your activity more difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. You do need to, look, you need to be cautious when you share stuff on social media if you want to stay more private but ExpressVPN can make your web browsing more anonymous. ExpressVPN also encrypts 100% of your internet data to keep you safe from hackers and prying eyes. Many VPNs slow down your internet, but not ExpressVPN. Super fast and easy to use. Tap one button and you're protected. I've seen this myself firsthand many times, even in streaming video. ExpressVPN is super fast, super easy to connect. It's on all my devices. Love it. So if you don't like the idea of tech companies exploiting your personal information, go to expressvpn.com slash upgrade. Go there right now and you'll get three extra months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash upgrade to protect your data. One last time, expressvpn.com slash upgrade to learn more today. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and Relay FM. Shall we do some hashtag ask upgrade questions? Jason Snell. Sure, that sounds great. All right, our first question this time comes from Brent. Oh, nice. Brent says, if you had to replace your 11-inch iPad Pro today, or I know you have a 12-inch, but let's just imagine a a situation in which you have an 11-inch. I do. Would you buy mm -hmm. uh, another iPad Pro, or would you get the new iPad Air? Now, I want to answer this question in two different ways, Jason, if I can. Okay, yes. If... I was replacing my iPad Pro, I would get another iPad Pro because I am used to Face ID. If I did not have an iPad Pro, I would get the iPad Air most likely. Like I would be more willing to to, to look at that because I wouldn't be used to something. I think I would uh, get annoyed um, with uh, like when I use my iPad mini that I have here at the studio, I always forget that I need to use touch ID on it. Mm-hmm. And it frustrates exactly. me a little bit compared to my iPad pros. So that would be, that would be difficult for me. Imagine tapping on the space bar on the keyboard and then realizing you have to reach up and, and yeah, put no your thanks. finger on the touch ID. That see, this is the thing. It's like, that's just one of those things that I think once you're used to it, it would get, it would be too frustrating. But if I wasn't used to it, then I maybe more would more consider it because the iPad Pro is a super cool device, right? Um, and it's and really powerful. And you're um, you're uh, losing ProMotion. Mm-hmm. You're losing some camera stuff. It's it's real close, right? But right. the the price also again um, is not as wide a gap as you might expect if you're not looking at the base model with the smallest amount of storage. Mm-hmm. 
So I think I think most people who have an iPad Pro, if they had to replace it, would probably be better off replacing it with an iPad Pro mm-hmm. um, and not missing those features. But, you know, we're all waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? And for there to be a new iPad Pro. Yeah. But if you're coming from nothing, like from, from none of these types of iPads, the iPad Air is a very, very intriguing prospect. Yeah. Tony asks, do you think that we will have S model phones in the future or is that gone now, right? Because we went from 11 to 12. What do you think? Yeah, I, it's a great question because we've always said, I don't believe that the iPhone's going to be, there's going to be an iPhone 19, right? Mm-hmm. And yet here we are at the iPhone 12. So that has kept happening. Also, next time is 13, which some people have superstitions about, although there was an iOS 13 and it was... Yeah, and look how that went. It was a disaster. We've made this, I made this exact same joke about three mm, weeks ago. I don't know. I feel like the future of Apple product names is mysterious. Mm-hmm. Um, and so perhaps they will. I doubt it. I wouldn't bet on it. I feel like it's clearer to just increment the numbers. But who knows? Because Apple has changed its its number game a lot, and it still does feel like an iPhone 19 is unlikely. But at the same time, what else are they going to do? Like they've got, they now have product name slots, and the number is essentially just instead of a year, they give it a number so that you know which version it is for which year. But it feels like they're settling into a place where there's going to be number, number pro, number pro max, and number mini now. And then you just keep incrementing the number in a way that kind of doesn't matter. It's just the new iPhone, but you got to call it something. So if I had to bet money on, I mean, ever is a, is a tough one. Especially general, about but the I naming because it's so bananas. Right. Because they keep changing it. But right now I think that Apple probably is, is, uh, happy to just keep incrementing the number for a long time so i think that the pro max name has removed the ability for them to include s because iphone 12 s pro max is too much it's too much oh my god it's too much right there's too many syllables in there so i think that you're right right like they now have names and they just did it they yeah. just did it, right? This could easily be the 11S, and mm-hmm. it's not. It's the 12. Mm-hmm. And why would you not increment the number and make it seem like a bigger update to get people more excited? The S is almost like a, a half-hearted upgrade in terms of naming. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it. And you're right. The Pro Max makes it even worse. Napali asks, do you know if the new ceramic glass is more scratch-resistant? Apple just mentions break resistance and durability. Do you think we could end up with more scratches? This is an interesting question. I, I'm i unclear on that because that, that definitely is something that has come up before, that if you if you try to prevent shattering, you may end up being more uh, scratch, scratchy. I don't know. Well, I mean, what well, I'll let's say find is, out. <laughs> like, I don't know the properties of ceramic very much, but I've been wearing a ceramic Apple Watch on and off for over a year, and I cannot see a scratch on it anywhere. So I don't know. I don't know. But I am intrigued. Uh, I'm also intrigued mm-hmm. for the people that try to break their phones. You know, I I do not condone the destruction of devices. No. But for scientific purposes, 
I am interested to know, right? Like if people sure. do side-by-side -side drop tests. Um, it, they're difficult to conduct as well because it's like you can't do it scientifically. But I am intrigued to see teardowns and, and durability tests and stuff of this new glass. Like how much more um, resistant is it actually? We'll find out. So uh, Winter Charm in the chat says that it's actually more, they're claiming more scratch and break resistant. So I don't know. We'll see. Where did they claim that? Like in the sh in the thing itself, they just said it was more durable. So I don't know. All right, I hope so. Chris asks if Apple had added a fingerprint sensor in the power button to the iPhone, how would they manage it? Given that most people use cases, they have a cutout for the ca for the uh, mm -hmm. for the button. Mm -hmm. uh, I just I don't think how do they manage it with a home button before, with Touch ID? Like you have well, a cutout the for front. the Touch ID sensor. Um, my thought was they could just end up with a folio case for the iPhone, like a folio case style, like they do with the iPad, and it and it it actually leaves the sides exposed, um, to a, to a degree. Yeah, I don't know, but I, I think it, the, the easiest situation is just you just do a cutout. Like this is how other uh, phones like phones do exist in the world with with uh, fingerprint sensors in the lock buttons right this is a very normal thing on android oh. phones and there's just a cut out in that part of the case simple look it's 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 done uh last question today comes from zach zach says i am very tempted by the 12 mini being a person who enjoys smaller phones but the switch from touch id to face id is giving me some pause i'm currently on the newer se Overall, what are your experiences with the speed, convenience, and usefulness of Face ID versus Touch ID, especially during COVID? So I love Face ID. I do. I, I prefer it. I love having it on my iPads, especially. Um, with wearing a mask outside in public, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. It's terrible. And so I, I don't really know what to say here other than if you're out and about a lot wearing a mask... Um, it's not a good experience and you probably need to go to a low security password because you'll, you're going to be endlessly locking and unlocking your phone. I don't go out a lot, so it doesn't really bother me that much. And it's super convenient when I'm unlocking it in the house and not wearing a mask. But when I'm out and I'm trying to like shop and check my shopping list on my iPhone and I'm wearing a mask every single, suddenly these invisible interactions that, face ID enables that are so great are all gone and I'm in, I'm inputting my password every and, and it turns out I lock and unlock my phone all the time mm -hmm. when I'm at the store mm -hmm. and I don't notice it because it's face ID mm -hmm. and then you wear a mask and suddenly you see all those interactions and yeah you can change to a simple password you could turn off uh, screen lock and try not to turn off your phone while you're in the store. I've done that. It's not great. So I, I honestly don't know what to say about this. Um, you are going to have to adapt. If you live in a cold climate, you're going to be wearing gloves in the winter anyway, um, which is bad for touch ID. So I don't know. It, it, it all depends on your circumstance and how you use your device. But there is no doubt that if you're out and about, uh, in a in a public location where masks are uh, being worn, 
you are going to have uh, have to adapt how you use your iPhone versus um, you know using a, an easily more easily uh, available biometric like Touch ID or Face ID without a mask. Yeah, yeah, like. I like Face ID in most instances. It is faster, and like so. Basically, before COVID, it was like easy for me. Like, and the only thing that I had an issue with was when uh, it was like more frustrating for me to touch in in public transport. But then Apple added the Express Card thing, where you can set uh, a card to your phone, and you don't have to use any authentication for it. You just touch it by the reader, and it goes. And it's super easy. Because it used to be before, you wouldn't even need to bring the 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 phone up to your face. It was just done. But with me wearing face masks now, it is more annoying. But I guess you kind of just have to make that decision, right? Like it says, you said if you if you do wear gloves in the winter and realize that you're not that doesn't work for you, then you're used to this idea. Just clothing in some way restricts the biometrics. This is not a new thing, but we're focusing on it more now because there's a new way for most people that this is happening. So this isn't a clear answer because really this has to be your own decision. But if you are asking for our experiences, these are those. I think we both prefer Face ID to Touch ID in most situations, but would still like Touch ID to come back and have both. Uh, If Apple said to me, you can replace Touch ID with Face ID, I wouldn't do it because... When I'm at home or when I'm somewhere where I'm not wearing a mask or whatever, Face ID is superior to Touch ID. So I wouldn't want to change. So that's where I am a bit. If you would like to send in a question to help us close out uh, the show, you can always send out a tweet with the hashtag AskUpgrade or in the Relay FM members' Discord, use question mark AskUpgrade to submit your question that way. You can also help us open the show with a hashtag question. I'm sure you can understand how you need to do that, given what I've just told you. Uh, if you'd like to find Jason online, go to sixcolors.com, and he is at jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. Thank you to Smile, Pingdom, and ExpressVPN for their support of this show. And thank you to the people that support us directly, our Upgradian members, people that subscribe to Upgrade Plus. If you would like to get Upgrade with no ads and with additional content, just go to getupgradeplus.com where you can sign up today and thank you so much if you do that uh we'll be back next time until then say goodbye jason snell goodbye mike hurley